Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. Today, we're wrapping up the month of love with a valentine to some of our favorite romance films. Our celluloid sweethearts include offerings from Hallmark Channel's Loveuary lineup, along with some personal selections that were formative for us. Before we play Cinematic Cupid, let's check in with what's cozy in the news. Jillian, what are the headlines flashing across your screen today? Well, Matt, did you know that one of the writers behind the Golden Girls is also to thank for other comforting faves of ours? Well, makes you more so mine, actually. Gilmore Girls and then Roseanne, which is a favorite of yours. But whether this is new information or cozy knowledge you already have in your possession, I think we can all agree a book on this impressive resume would be quite the treat. And we are in luck because said writer Stan Zimmerman has released The Girls from <laughs> Golden to Gilmore, which I think is a perfect title on February 13th and is revealing behind the scenes tidbits from casting, new trivia about iconic episodes, personal anecdotes, working with the, the iconic actors and everything in between. And so he's been slowly releasing this info in different interviews. And so I learned a little bit about how Logan from Gilmore Girls was cast, which I thought was really interesting. And he had met Amy Sherman Palladino, creator of Gilmore Girls, I think when they were on Working Roseanne, if I have that right. And he's responsible for really famous episodes. So the Don't Ask, Don't Tell episode of Roseanne, Norman Mailer, I'm Pregnant from Gilmore Girls, and Rose's Mother from The Golden Girls. It's going to be a really fun read. It's just like a cozy trifecta. And I love the name, The Girls. It's just it's just perfect in my, my mind. Yeah. And I want to know the behind the scenes stories for all of these shows. What an amazing trifecta, as you said. This looks so cozy and exciting to read. Yeah, it has something for everyone because I'm not the biggest Roseanne fan, but the girls I'm into. But I yeah, can also yeah, I'm, be drawn I'm more in. Golden Girls and Roseanne. Yeah, so. it has something for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I think you're. Like... I think you're batting at least two out of three, no matter yeah. who you who you are. What's lighting up your news desk? What is blowing up the desk today <laughs> is a heartwarming story out of Louisville, Kentucky. The Today Show reports that Larry Farish Jr., a beloved school bus driver, affectionately called Mister Larry by his little passengers, noticed that one of his regulars, Levi, a first grader, was having a tough morning. When Mr. Larry asked, hey, what's going on? Little Levi cried that he didn't have pajamas for pajama day. Determined to turn Levi's day around, Larry rushed to a store and snagged two pairs of pajamas just for Levi. And if you click on the article, which is in our show notes, there's a photo of Levi in his all-star football pajamas, so if you were curious how everything turned out, you can see the pajamas in question. Levi himself said it best. I can tell Mr. Larry is nice and his heart is filled with joy. He added, when he got me the pajamas, I did a happy cry. Stop, Matt. You're going to make me literally cry right now. <laughs> it's not it's hard so to do to make me cry, but just even seeing how happy he is in that photo. Yeah. Oh, my God. The pride and the fact that he did the happy cry when he got the pajamas. Also, I think it's an East Coast thing. I say pajamas, but pajamas, <laughs> pajamas, sure, maybe Long Island thing. But this is just the sweetest story. And obviously, catnip for today.com. They probably scooped the story. Oh, right yeah. Up. No, I mean, I always wonder where they find this stuff. But I mean, I guess I do kind of know where they found it, which was social media, because Jefferson County Public Schools posted it on their Facebook account. And that kind of sparked the wave of attention on it. 
And I think it really does showcase the power of pajamas to make us feel cozy outside and inside. Yeah, well, you wrapped it up with a beautiful, a beautiful bow. Just as, a, as an, an aside, I, I kind of don't like these. Hope it's not be a, we we ended the cozy rant or what's what would we call it again? Yeah, releasing it, the yeah, release the resentments. Okay, well, I'm releasing some resentments going back. Go ahead. I, I think these days where oh, it's this special day or it's bows in your hair day. You have to be mindful of the kids who don't have those things. It's really upsetting to me to think that just for a kid to go out without that and see everyone else participating, it's it's nothing that they can control or do on their, on their own. So even though this is a really sweet story, it also breaks my heart for that in that way. So end these days or at least provide the material <laughs> for the kids to do them. End these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, in, in fact, I recently saw like a school doing Disney days, like every day was like a Disney themed thing. And that felt like, again, hearts are in the right place. It's for, right. you know, building community. I completely understand that. Yet, even I as an adult, I'm like, I don't have anything with like Mickey Mouse on it. Like, I don't even know what I would wear, like to go along with that. So, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on kids to have to have something which you know not everyone has the means to so i agree with you it, it can be uh, exclusionary when it's not well considered well especially disney day it'd be more like overdraft day for me because i mean you can't <laughs> afford sixty dollars a pop for these these disney things but anyway <laughs> your bank returned this you gotta payment day. you gotta give the mouse's cut well, those were our love letters to the news, but we're going to go to the movie theater for our main topic today. You know, we did our Valentine's Day episode, but we are those clowns who really focus on romance in February and just really dig into that theme for the month. But I do like getting to really focus on love for loveuary, as Hallmark is trying to coin. Originally, we were going to just talk about this loveuary lineup, which is four Hallmark Channel movies that they're releasing in February. And we'll talk about those in just a second. Jillian, tell us a little bit about like what we're focusing on today. At All Things Cozy HQ, we tend to fall head over heels for rom-coms, aka Cupid's Cozy Catnip. We even did an entire episode on it back in 2020, if you're so inclined to check it out. Also features Kate Littleton. But now we're temporarily breaking up with the genre and proposing to movies we love about love. It's as simple as it sounds, no formulas to follow, no pressure for grand gestures, and our picks leave love open for interpretation. We both hadn't seen each other's picks before, so it was a genuine exercise to see love from a different perspective, all against the backdrop of coziness, obviously. To top it all off, as Matt said, we watched a movie from Hallmark's Loveuary series, an ode of four flicks in honor of the prolific romance author, Jane Austen. So let's dim the lights, fire up the projector, and settle on in. So as we are settling in to watch our movies, Jillian, tell us a little bit about the movie we watched for Hallmark Channel's Loveuary. Well, in case you aren't familiar with the Loveuary lineup, two of the films are period pieces, An American Austen and Sense and Sensibility, but Love and Jane meets us in present-day Boston, where we are introduced to Lily, Jane's biggest fan, played by Hallmark icon Allison Sweeney, who also produced the movie alongside writer-director David Weaver. We quickly learn Lily is stuck in a web of frustrations. The beloved local pub where she hosts her Jane Austen Society book club is closing. Her boyfriend isn't meeting the standards of the Georgian era romance she so desperately desires, and instead of living out the dream of becoming an author, she's an uninspired copywriter. 
It all comes to a head when tech mogul Trevor Fitzsimmons, Benjamin Ayers, rolls into town, buying her favorite bookstore and becoming her job's newest hotshot client. And yep, these two butt heads right away. So what's a girl to do? Love and Jane's solution is to have Lily hallucinate Jane Austen, who will guide her along the minefield of her life. But will she fumble her favorite author's advice or see her own love story come true? Let's talk about this movie first, and then we'll talk about the concept of Loveuary in general and the kind of the collection, at least of the ones we were able to see and the, and the concept itself. I really enjoyed this movie. In terms of the Jane Austen hallucination, I also really liked how they kept her extremely, almost frustratingly consistent around anything that was brought up that she would not have been familiar with. She was, what is that? What is that? There was not a single thing she accepted that was mm-hmm. like spoken about that could have been a piece of technology or a cultural concept that didn't exist when she was around. So I really admired that they kept that kind of convention true, which helped me believe it a little bit more in terms of what was going on. And Jane, her whole thing is that she is a, an aspiring romance author and she runs the Austin book club and for me the coziest part of the movie itself was getting to watch the book club meet and I loved the way they depicted the people in the book club like they were such a diverse and and funny assortment of people they did not at all stereotype um who was in there like namely I'm thinking of the trucker guy that was mm-hmm. in the group and I just thought that was like a cute little like they're trying to like not be so obvious with who's in the group and stuff like that and kind of surprise us a little bit. And I, I liked those those moments. This is a movie where Allison Sweeney shines and Helmerk is so lucky to have her because she really leaned into being this Jane Austen fanatic and to the point where she was alienating herself from her true desires or her mm-hmm. friends or her love interest. And Allison just is so good at acting like a buttoned up, uptight, always acting flustered and frustrated. Every time I think about Allison playing a role, she's always in that mode. I don't know if I'm mis- misreading her and her arc of Hallmark movies, but she just does that really well. And, 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 I, and I liked that. I agree. The book club was also super cozy. The pub that it takes place in really just a wonderful yeah. setting and scene and I wanted to be in that pub and and be there in that that book club I thought that was just really really well done I for one I was iffy on the the hallucination or I don't even know <laughs> if they were one thing I guess I will say even though I was iffy on it I liked how they really leaned into it it's one of those things that you either can't you have to go for or not. You can't just be yeah. half half in, half not if you're going to bring back Jane Austen into the present and whether or not she was real or not. And I thought they kind of left that supernatural element in. I don't know. I don't, I guess I maybe used the wrong word to say hallucinate. What do you think? I, I still thought it was kind of purposefully ambiguous. I think you're right. I did lean a little bit more into the supernatural, but you could still kind of like justify it as like it's in her head. I think it left that door open. It didn't try to be like, this is definitely happening in like a really crazy way. Unless I totally wasn't paying enough attention to the movie. <laughs> no, I, I think I think you hit the, the nail on the head. But anyone who loves Jane Austen will love this film. And it's just, it makes me feel cozy because when you're so into something like the Lily character yeah. is, it's, it's really nice and fun to see. I agree with you that Alison Sweeney can really sell someone who is almost irritatingly obsessed with something 
And she's still endearing, even though her behavior is like a little grating. And you can tell that every little bit of that was so intentional as a choice as like in, in the script and performance. It really had a point of view and like made its point with those choices. I, I would say that made for a complex character that uh, I enjoyed in this. For me, the romance piece of it was kind of like, that's why we're here. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a romance series of films. I honestly was just more into the first of all her house was incredible and i really also loved that her whole decor was kind of approachably like of that era very antique furniture which again kind of just made it so that the jane austen spirit wouldn't even be bumped in this kind of environment (laughs) so it it all kind of worked i would say the thing about this movie is it's very harmonious like it's really clear it's funny the characters have a point of view and it's one of those movies that's not afraid to show its main character be a little unlikable and make mistakes and then learn some lessons through that. And I, I like that. Or to have the the, com- the confidence. I think Lily yeah. is a very confident character. And I don't know how much spoilers I can reveal, but there's a scene with her boyfriend in the beginning of the film where she makes it really clear what she wants and no bones about it. She's not waffling on anything. I thought that was nice to see. Exactly. That I think you you hit the nail on the head. I'm glad you brought that moment up because in the beginning she's uh, basically proposed to by her boyfriend, and he offers like stuff that makes so much sense. He's like, "I'm gonna move to Chicago. I'd like you to come with me. I'll even take you on that trip to England that you've always been wanting." Like on paper, like such a no brainer. Like of course you would want to go through with all those plans. But she's so married to what she does in Boston, to her book club specifically. And her dreams there. And that kind of, as a viewer, you're kind of like, okay, something's a little bit off about this lady. (laughs) Yes, definitely. (laughs) But I like that because, like you said, she had the confidence. She knew what she wanted, even to a frustrating degree. And I thought that added like a little level of like unpredictability to the proceedings. I was like, oh, what is is she going to do next? I'm not quite sure. I can't really anticipate what her next move is going to be. Speaking of relationships, the the dynamic she had with Jane, there's one scene which also I kind of, Cringe laughed a little, little bit, but I, now looking back on it, it feels it feels heartening when they're in bed and throwing popcorn at each other. Yeah. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> I really did enjoy watching this movie. And just to talk a little bit more about the concept of this February lineup in general. So there's four movies. The first two, releasing weekly, were very much like, like this one, modern day pieces that are inspired or involve Austin. Like the first one was Paging Mr. Darcy, and it was about an Austin expert at a conference who sparks a romance with a Mr. Darcy impersonator. And then we have uh, An American in Austin, like you mentioned, which is, I haven't seen that one, but I, I think the concept is around like time travel. An American gets placed into that, that period and the setting of Pride and Prejudice. And then we have the actual adaptation of Sense and Sensibility, like a straightforward adaptation with an almost entirely black cast. And I just think that like mix of films and modern interpretations is such an interesting assortment for a Hallmark series. And I just love a month-long theming of our new movies around Jane Austen is such a kind of novel choice, no pun intended. <laughs> I, I really hope they keep doing this, actually, for February. I, I've watched two of the four so far. I intend to watch all of them because it's such a fun celebration of this author, fun different interpretations. And I would love to see like them like pick a new romance author or new romance inspiration to kind of focus on every year. I think this could be like a really cool concept. I agree, especially since I, I find really cozy when 
smaller holidays get their due because you know, big critical Christmas fanfare and whatnot, it's that slump. And to so have this pick me up with something really cute, themed, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know any other network that is doing for Jane Austen inspired films exactly. tribute to to love you wary and just the fact that they made something cute out of nothing so they didn't have to do this but they decided to go with it and experiment and i i think you're absolutely right i'd love for it to continue i wouldn't even be mad if they did a saint patrick's day something like that like, like a james, james joyce a thon playing leprechaun theme you know i gotta get a leprechaun in there <laughs> You know that TV shows and movies don't like to put leprechauns in them, though, as we've learned, like, even when they That's do. That's true. We <laughs> tried our best to watch that. It's, it's always problematic. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm down for Love to Worry, but I'm I'm always the champion for Hallmark's lesser loved seasons like Fall Harvest, formerly uh, what's now, I think, Fall into Love, is what they call it now. But the things that, that they try to do that are actually more interesting than just the gauntlet of Christmas movies that takes place for two months, which I enjoy. I'm the, don't, don't get all upset at me, but I enjoy that. But I also love these kind of like very unique and interesting experiments they do uh, when it's not Christmas time. Yeah, well, it can be festive all year long. Exactly. So that was our little love letter to Hallmark Channel's Love Youary. But... I'm really excited to introduce Jillian's choice for a movie that really left an impression on her heart. Jillian's letterboxed love letter is to 2003's Goodbye Lennon, directed by Wolfgang Becker and starring Daniel Bruhl as Alex and Katrine Sass as his mother, Christiane. It's set in East Berlin during the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989, and the story revolves around Alex, a devoted son, and his efforts to shield his ailing mother, Christiane, from the tumultuous changes in their country. Christiane, who became extremely nationalist and basically married to the state after their father leaves her, Alex, and his sister, falls into a coma shortly before reunification of East and West Germany began. And upon awakening, Alex learns that any shock could be fatal to her fragile health. Determined to protect her from the reality of a reunited Germany, Alex constructs an elaborate ruse to recreate the old East Germany within their home, including hooking up their TV to a VCR, playing old shows and fake news stories. As he navigates this delicate charade, Alex also begins a budding relationship with his mother's nurse, Laura. Can a son's love conquer historical reality? (laughs) (laughs) This is my first time watching this, so Julian sent this little Valentine of a movie my way. And I loved it in return. I thought this was, first of all, an electric watch. I think true to form as like an early 2000s film, it has kind of like a very quick pace, lots of cuts, lots of little sidetrack scenes and storylines. There's never a dull moment in this movie. It's so alive. And the premise is so fascinating. And I learned so much about this period of time in this place that I never knew before. And I felt like it... The texture of it was like just so incredible, like even just like the props and the clothes and the settings, their apartment was so cozy and and the complicated relationships between like the parents and the kids. And it it doesn't leave the audience with like an easy answer for what you're supposed to think about all of this. There's a lot to chew on as a viewer. And I really enjoy this. Jillian, I'm curious, when did you first watch this movie? And like, what was the context around you discovering this and watching it? So when I was younger, maybe sophomore freshman there's this little i think it's called the cinema art center and so my friends and i would always go and 
just watch these these movies and I grew up watching nothing like this. My parents are like full on boomers, big screen TVs. They like the the classic newer movies. And so I didn't really have parents who were watching different kinds of things. So going to Cinema Arts Center was always a really fun and enlightening experience. And I think I watched The Educators first, which is Educators of the K, I, I believe. And it's also another German film that the main actor also stars in. So I really like The Educators. I saw that in the theater and so when Goodbye Lennon came out, I was really into that as well. And saw, saw I think I thought it was in the theaters. I'm not really sure. Maybe maybe I got the DVD or something like that. I definitely have the DVD of this. And so I was just really moved by it, not only because of the reasons that you stated, which is, oh, I learned a lot, but also the dynamics of the, the family. You just said to me, like, what should we... What, what movie should we pick? For whatever reason, this just floated to my conscious. I don't really know why. <laughs> it just popped into my mind. And I think it's just because of the lengths that one would go to to express express their love and protect and care for someone. I think that's the top layer of it. And now maybe looking back as an adult, that's more of parentification than probably is comfortable or healthy. But it's also about understanding other motivations and trying to see it from their perspective. And I think that's really exemplary of love as well, trying to understand why people do things or why the way they, they feel that way. And I think especially with parents and their children, there's nothing nothing more loving than you can do is trying to just for a second put yourself in their their shoes and realize that maybe the things that you hold them in contempt for are actually the the things that make you love them as well. And just a lot of tenderness in, in the film that really moved me. There's this one scene at the end where I'm sure you you know what I'm talking about. Is that rocket? And mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it too much. But that scene always really, really makes me cry. There's so much unspoken dynamics at play in that that film. And that's what always stays with me. Yeah, it's a really deep exploration of the lies of love. And there's a reveal later that there's a kind of equally big lie. <laughs> you know, she, he's he's lying to his mom that like East Germany is completely intact. But she lied about something really big that impacted him and his sister. And you find out about that later and it's it's a really interesting exploration of that no easy answer there but i i i i really thought that was just so much to to chew on as a viewer and i think there's some really deep interesting themes in this film if i'm making it at all sound like crazy heavy it's it's delivered in such a oh, like funny too funny carefree so way funny. like i laughed out loud so many times it, it's very profoundly emotional like julian said in scenes but it earns all of that and it does that through so much comedy as well and i laughed out loud several times watching this movie it's it's really good yeah there's definitely some gut punches you don't expect like one second you're laughing and the next thing you know you're just kind of stunned into silence feeling all these emotions yeah and 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 whatnot but i'm really invested and interested in the relationships and love between family and how that it's not always a straight line it's complex but the mother and son love is just it's, it's so so powerful and that movie just really has a like you said matt just was a really beautiful way of expressing that so I know it's not technically romance. No, but I think it's it's definitely all about love for sure. It's right at home here, I think, in in this. I keep wanting to say loveuary. I'm sorry, Hallmark is like has rotted my brain, but I think you're right at home in this this lineup of films. So interestingly enough, Matt's pick is another foreign language film, Wong Kar Wai's 2001 In the Mood for Love, which transports us to Hong Kong in 1962 
during political unrest and transition. Caught in the fray are Chao Man Wan, Tony Lung, a reporter, and Su Li Zen, aka Mrs. Chan, played by Maggie Chung, a secretary who happened to move into the adjacent apartments with their respective spouses at the same time. Both Chow and Mrs. Chan's partners work often and for long hours, leaving them to run into one another as they go about their days. And eventually, they develop a simple and innocent friendship amid their loneliness. That is, until one day, when their quiet kinship is interrupted by the evidence that their spouses are having an affair with one another. The two decide to take a unique approach to the revelation, agreeing to reimagine and subsequently act out how they believe the infidelity started. But as one would suspect, the game isn't without complications, and soon real love starts to form. Of course, this doesn't change the fact that they're both still married, and the movie is left to answer how this love will resolve and what it would mean if they give in to their true desires. So I love that you picked this because I think we needed a romance film that perfectly captured the mood. So this is a very moody film, and it is slow-paced, but it's a beautiful portrait of two folks who are long-suffering by choice, but also not by choice in, in their predicament. And it is so beautiful, just the the attention to detail, even in the outfits and the, the glances in the stairwells and meeting each other and seeing each other at, in noodle shops and just these really small moments. It's a slow burn and it's, it's very beautiful. You have to pay close attention, but is well worth the watch. Have you seen this one before? No, I've never okay. seen it before. I'm, I'm similar to what you asked me. I'm curious how you came upon it. I had never heard of it before. This is such a film student choice. I worry. And it truly oh. did come across me when I was taking my college intro to film class. So like this, that's where I got introduced to Wong Kar Wai. And we, we watched Chungking Express and In the Mood for Love. And later I watched Happy Together. He's such a powerful filmmaker and, like you said, powerful at putting you in the heaviness of the feeling of the characters on the screen and evoking so much emotion through the sights and sounds of the frame. I remember watching this and, and, you know, having to write essays on it and being like, there's frames in the frames. And Wong Kar Wai is such an interesting filmmaker insofar as like this film didn't have a script was primarily improvised and they actually filmed scenes with the the partners that are that are cheating and they had a wholly different ending and they had they had scenes where they were you know actually made love and actually connected and those were all just taken right out to create i think what we're left with kind of a masterpiece of just all the feeling and emotion that comes with love it's like no sex but so much sensuality Watching this as a young man, it, it really conveyed the electricity of like falling in love. Well, I'm glad they took out all the the sex and all the, the action of it because yeah. I think the fact that I think some people could watch this and be like, well, nothing happens, but so much happens. And I think a lot of love or the beginning of love is a lot of wondering what the other person is thinking and a lot of not taking action or just waiting and ruminating and all all of that. So I think a lot of romance movies that are popular, it is that tons of action. That's not what it is really like in reality. It's a lot of daydreaming, wondering, guessing. Wong Kar Wai also, I read in an interview where he was like, you know, people give Tony Lung's character a lot of credit because he has such a, like a 
approachable and warm face. Yeah, so pleasant. And yet, like, if he had been played by John, like, this is these are his words. If he had been played by John Malkovich, you'd realize, like, how weird it is everything that he's doing. <laughs> I think that is fundamentally true. Like, the rehearsal of confronting the spouses that they do for, like, you know, what I'm going to say, how it's going to be if I confront them on the infidelity or going, you know, trying to reconstruct, you know, how it happened. Like, it is very bizarre. But I think, like, relatably bizarre insofar as, like, these people, you know, their hearts are broken. They've been betrayed. And so, you know, they're trying to get their grounding around, like, finding a connection with somebody that they can trust. And by the way, such beautiful hair and makeup and, and like, costumes and everyone looks impeccable. It's like, it's it's just, it's, it's a feast for the eyes. Yeah, I was going to, to your point where everything's super, super moody and really carefully chosen even the bright colors feel heavy. Yes. I don't know how to describe that, but they're wearing all these really bright colored clothing, but it feels like it's a weight, which is so, so interesting. But I also think our not only are both of our movies foreign language films, but you also mentioned that this concept of acting out how you imagine your other spouse's infidelity to be is very unique. And that's the premise of my film is also very unique, that they're so creative, out-of-the-box ideas that I would have never come up by with by myself. As we wrap up our discussion, I do think we should take a moment to talk about just how funny it is, how similar our picks are. Like, they're both from the same era, early 2000s. They're both foreign language movies that take place in an earlier era. Both those earlier eras are moments of political unrest. I think what does it say about us? I don't know. But like, I mean, I'm going to if there's a psychologist listening, like tell us what this means. But it means we're meant to host a podcast together, I think. But right. looking back on it, like I feel a nostalgia for movies like this because I feel like say like they don't make them like they used to. But <laughs> That's like... how I feel because when I was rewatching Goodbye Lennon, it's like, wow, this looks so old, but it really isn't in it. And it just yeah. touches my heart in a way. It's like, okay, now I want to watch all of the other early 2000 films that I saw in the Cinema Arts Center were blowing my mind. I want right. to go back and live that. Maybe you know what I think it is, too, is these movies, because love transcends language, I think it is more likely that romance movies or movies about love that are foreign language for us who are English speakers they can still resonate. They can still have a huge presence because you don't need to speak the language to feel the emotions that are playing out. And so you get to enjoy really exceptional movies from different countries that if they had been more cerebral, perhaps, and about like less about like a relatable emotion and more about like, you know, a, a hefty intellectual issue, we may have never watched or connected with it because they're about this universal feeling. They get to transcend borders and connect to people. So I think that's part of their power. Yeah, that's very, it's very well said. As a as a teen, I think it's you're not naturally gravitating towards where you have to read um, sub subtitles. Even though I think people gripe about that a lot more than they should, it's really I loved actually having to read the subtitles. Made it so that I like didn't pick up my phone. I was fully engrossed in the movies, and I really got to like feel like I was watching a movie without interruptions. <laughs> yeah, no, it really forces you to yeah to be, to be present. But this will definitely be out there for listeners in the sense that we typically talk about. Hallmark or maybe lighter fare, but I hope that everyone does watch these two films because I think it will it will move in and, and change you and make you think a little bit differently about love or maybe relate to it and all of its complex complexities. So yeah, definitely different for us, but I love that we did it. And let us know what early two thousands romance movie you love <laughs> in our Facebook group at all at all things cozy podcast. By the way, you can stream in the mood for love on Max. 
or Criterion, and you can stream Goodbye Lenin basically anywhere you can rent movies like Apple or Amazon. Well, from the beating of our hearts watching those movies to the beats of some brand new music, let's take a listen to our soothing sounds. This week, my soothing sound is by Brittany Howard, former singer, songwriter, and guitarist of Alabama Shakes, most famously. And this song, Prove It To You, is from her newly released second solo album. It's called What Now? Prove It To You brings soul to house music and will turn your home into a cozy nightclub and even <laughs> cleanse the space. It ends with a singing bowls, so it has like a nice Ooh. dynamic range to it. So let's take a listen to Prove It To You by Brittany Howard. Can't take it no more Make me ask what I'm doing it for Cause I I love it. <laughs> I it really got into it where I, I think you you summed it up perfectly. I felt like I was in a cozy nightclub, a nightclub I actually want to be in. And there's no <laughs> nightclub I ever want to be in, but I want to be in this one. I love the purple overlay. The music video has this, I don't know, it's a very cool background. Oh yeah, I mean, the visuals, cool tones. The, the lyric video visuals, uh, if you click the link in our show notes, like it's a really fun watch. She looks amazing in the video. Oh, uh, so good. And yeah, I, I, there's like this, like, you know, it's house music, but it has like this, like kind of 70s feeling to it as well. And there's a lot of genre bending. And I listened to a few tracks from this album as I really enjoyed this song. And some of them are very soothing, just like really atmospheric, ambient almost. And then this one, I kind of like it, you know, we don't always pick songs that can, you know, have a little bit of a beat and a kick to it. So I thought I get a little spicy with this romantic pick. It's about love, but it's also can make you dance. Yeah, and I think we're really leaning into, at least recently, how these upbeat songs can be cozy. Because typically we go for the slow ones. Yes. And we need some upbeat dance tracks in here. That's right. Well, mine, <laughs> speaking to contrary what I just said, <laughs> is not a Let's dance track. Let's take it down track. a notch. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a dance track, but it is, it is upbeat. And it's Don't Forget Me by Maggie Rogers, released February 8th from her upcoming album of the same name. And I love what she said about the album's inspo in a press release. What she started to vision was a picture of a girl on a road trip through the American South and West, a sort of younger Thelma and Louise character who was leaving home and leaving a relationship, processing out loud, finding solace in her friends, and the promise of a new city and new landscape. And so she tried to capture this imaginary woman's life with the intimacy of Linda McCartney's photographs, spontaneous, open, and free. And I, I love that comparison to Linda McCartney's because I love her photographs. They, they feel very lived in and inviting and warm. And this song has that tone. It, it sounds like it's plucked right out of a Dawson's Creek episode. <laughs> so I love that cozy 90s vibe of it. It sounds very 90s, which I love. So let's take a listen to Don't Forget Me by Maggie Rogers. Take my money, wreck my sonnet, love me till you're next somebody over promise me that when it's time Yeah, this is absolutely 
absolutely beautiful and very upbeat, like you said. Yeah, there's like it, it has so much joy and energy, and the uh, music video, like the images, are so warm and lived in and nostalgic. I really, I really love the song. Yeah, I can see Michelle Williams walking on a dock somewhere <laughs> as this plays in the background. No, absolutely, no question. This is this is total dock music. Yeah. Well, Jillian has our candle this week. And it came all the way from Las Vegas, the yeah. strip itself. Jillian had to go to the site of the Super Bowl to get this candle. She couldn't get enough. She was like, you know what? One more touchdown. And so Jillian, <laughs> tell us about this candle. I did go on a little trip just this past weekend. It's a President's Day weekend. And I told Matt this little anecdote. And I'll try and wrap it up quick because I know we're nearing the end. But I thought, oh, Las Vegas is have a ton of candles. There's probably some like, really wild stuff out there, something new, exciting. And so I Googled it, and I got a spoof site. That's probably someone's graphic, as my partner says, some graphic designers, you know, like practice a student, like making a site. And mm-hmm. so it was Las Vegas candles. And one of the shops was on Whiff Street and sent away. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna get such great contact. Matt's gonna be so much proud of me. I'll take <laughs> photos of the, the street signs and whatnot. So I don't know if I was gonna be kidnapped by a, <laughs> a candle napper or something, show, or driving around aimlessly trying to find a Whiff Street. And I didn't find Whiff Street, but I did find Sugar Boo and Co. I don't know if I wanna go to Whiff Street, by the way, on Amazon. I don't wanna whiff anything that I can smell in Vegas. And it took me an embarrassing long time to find out that these streets didn't exist. I thought, well, it's Las Vegas. Anything goes, you know, <laughs> scent way, candle lane. I was like, okay, I, maybe, I don't know. It's I Campbell mean, Row. They, they have the Eiffel Tower and the Statue of Liberty there. So it's not that crazy to imagine that there could be oh, some funny street names. I, well, you mentioned the Eiffel Tower because I went not to Paris, but to Italy. Mm-hmm. To Did you get- see the Bellagio? <laughs> I, we were at the Venetian. Oh, the Venetian. So I went all the way to St. Mark's Place <laughs> to get Sugar Boo and Co.'s Hey You Wood Wick Candle for twelve sixty because it was on sale. This is a very simple scent. It's our classic amber and musk. It has a little fruity flavor in there. But I chose it because when you lift up, up the lid, on the inside of the lid, it has these little sayings. So it's as the website says, it's a perfect gift for a loved one or friend. And then the crackling wood wick, not a dangerous one that lights our house on fire, <laughs> brings a warm, comforting feeling of fire to any room. So the available sayings, I'm so glad, which seems like a good... <laughs> I feel like it's missing a, a second half to that. So glad about what? So do you well, have I'm so glad? No, I was literally going all over Las Vegas to find this candle. I thought it would be so simple. So I stumbled on the Sugar Boo, which was like a very sweet little store, but... When I asked the woman what the scent profile was, because these available sayings are all different. I think my saying is, hey, you, I love your face or something like that. So so does these different scent has a different saying on it? Well, that's what I went to ask the store clerk. And um, she said, I'll be honest with you. I really don't know. So oh my goodness, <laughs> we were tr- I was trying to sniff every little saying. You know, I have a crush on you, or to me, you are perfect. You're my favorite. You're my person. Like all of these cute little sayings. And I picked up the candle because there were other candles in there. I could have chosen differently, but I thought I haven't really seen a candle where they have a saying like this when you open the lid. And oh, it's love themed. So this makes a lot of sense. But I think they all have the same scent profile and the people who made them literally just printed out candy heart sayings and put them inside the candle. 
So that's my story. It has a nice throw. I think it's very pleasant scent. It's a half wick up for me just because we don't really know what it is. And I don't think it's anything that's going to wow anyone. But Sugar Boo does have a website. It's real. It's not in scent way. It's in the Venetian. And um, I think it's a really cute concept. When they open it, they're surprised with a little saying. It'd be really nice if you could personalize it. That would be fun. And that'd be cute. So it was different to me. It almost feels it's like halfway there in terms of being clear in its concept. No, and it was fus- it was definitely frustrating in that I had no idea what was going on with these candles. I just thought, oh, this is a neat concept writing on the lid. Every scent smelled different to me, but my partner claimed that they had different scents per the saying. They all though, had the same scent pro- profile in my opinion. Good throw though. It's a little cute candle. I like that it has a the wood wick. Yeah. It almost okay, so looking at the website, it almost looks like they're all the same candle with different sayings. Like the option isn't to get a different scent, but to get a different bottom of the lid where you open it up. It's like, to me, you're perfect. Or I have a crush on you. So like there's like all these different things, like kind of like, like a candy heart, like you said, but like not clear. Even on at the website, it doesn't say what the scent is. Like there's no indication of what this candle is going to smell like, which is when you're selling a scented candle, it seems like a huge oversight. So Sugar Boo, please listen to our feedback. It looks like you have a, the, the candle looks great. Concept is cute. Mm-hmm. Pay a little more attention to the scent. It sounds like you got away with it this time because the scent is good, but you know, we want to be clear in the future. Maybe they haven't been called out for it yet or they haven't rectified it because most people who are strolling through the Venetian on a weekend aren't probably all all there in their mind like oh i'll grab this one it smells okay yeah honestly and- the price too is like it's a pretty affordable candle so they're i guess these are just like you know we we mixed up the wax we dyed it black and whatever you get you get here's an i'm so glad candle yeah for, for context they on the website it says i'm so glad there's something that follows it yeah i can see on the website the, the image says i'm so glad you were born oh oh, oh but, okay. e- but even but even that that's only if you click on the candle in the copy and the details they didn't even write the whole thing it says available things i'm so glad we have barely even looked into this and we're finding all these errors with all that said it's <laughs> a wick for me because it's a cute little store and they tried and it, ha- it has cute saying so let's just hope sugar boo next time i'm strolling through the venetian the grand can always stroll by my gondola they'll have something different for me (laughs) do better sugar boo we're rooting for you before we go we have a shout out thank you to rebecca w for supporting us on patreon love to see a new patron and thank you so much for your support you are our valentine of the month (laughs) <laughs> if you're interested in joining our book club, you can do that by going to our Patreon and joining it at the votive level or higher. We're at patreon.com slash allthingscozy. Of course, keep up with our show by checking us out on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at allthingscozypodcast. Jillian, any other last little love notes for our listeners before we sign off? Sad that February is coming to a close. This is one of my favorite All Things Cozy months. Treating yeah, ourselves. We, treating ourselves, send, sending little love notes yeah, to, the, to the universe. Made crafts we, in past years. But we have some exciting episodes to come. We're going to be tackling Easter decor and, and shopping for Easter decorations. We're going to be foraging 
Get ready for foraging, Matt and Julian. It's coming. We're we're out. We're going on a hike, and I'm really nervous. I yeah. don't. I'm gonna be left behind. You're gonna see a yeah. disappeared episode on. If me. those episodes don't come out, it's because we got lost. Or, or poison <laughs> because we're foraging. That's right. <laughs> too far into it. <laughs> well, assuming we survive, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Until next time, stay, stay cozy. cozy.